Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 257. Thank you so much for being here. Let's do this. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host. He still one day hopes to grow an inch or two taller. Pat Flynn. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Pat Flynn, and I'm so happy you're here, like I said earlier. And this episode is one of those episodes where when you hear this person's story, you are going to have your mouth wide open because you just couldn't believe what had happened, but also uh, just the incredible breakthroughs that this person has had and and going through everything that she went through to find success on the other end uh, and pulling the courage out from somewhere uh, just is, is amazing. And it really leaves no excuse for those of us who have these sort of small little struggles every day, right? Uh, sometimes we need these big time stories to truly just bring us back to life, right? And, and bring perspective into our lives. So I'm very happy to introduce Kelsey Baldwin, who I actually first found out about in a video that was going around online. This is a video that uh, was actually produced, uh, I believe, by Brian Harris and his team over at videofruit.com. Brian's been on the show before, incredibly smart guy, but incredibly talented too in storytelling and capturing moments on film. And when I heard Kelsey's story, I just... Uh, even in the Facebook comments, I was like, Kelsey, I want to invite you on the show. I, I I would love for you to share your story with the SPA audience and share with us how you were able to get through these tough times uh, and find success with with her company. And her company is a company that uh, initially started selling things on Etsy, uh, and she still does that too. And it's called Paper and Oats. And I can't wait for her to introduce herself and her company to you. So let's not wait any longer. Let's get right to it. Here's Kelsey Baldwin from paperandoats.com. Hey everybody, what's up? Thank you so much for joining me today. I am joined uh, with Kelsey from Paper and Oats, which is an awesome website and she's gonna tell you all about it. But Kelsey, welcome to the SPA podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Pat. This is fun. I'm so excited because I first heard about you and your story through a video uh, through one of my good friends, Brian Harris, and that video, uh, like with many other people, just we it is a tearjerker because you have this amazing story how you've uh, come out of these challenges and have built something incredible to become what is Paper and Oats and to build this business for yourself and your family. And I'd love for you to start at the beginning, even before Paper and Oats started, 
were you always somebody who was into entrepreneurship, like when you were growing up and stuff? Yeah, I think I always was. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur. He uh, ran his business out of the home. So I saw him growing up, you know, working at home in his office and kind of making his own hours. Um, so yeah, my brothers and I saw that growing up and I think always wanted a little piece of that. That's really cool. And then so when was your first taste of kind of trying entrepreneurship on your own? Um, probably actually when I was in college, when I was a freshman in college, I tried uh, my hand for the first time at freelancing, um, doing freelance design work, just found ads on Craigslist <laughs> before Craigslist was too creepy. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and I, in their creative gig section, I would just find people that needed design work and I would offer to do it for free because I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, so they couldn't be mad at me if it was bad. Um, but that was kind of how I got my feet wet, you know, working with clients and doing design work for people, you know, that weren't just friends and family. That's cool. And when you say design work, what does that mean exactly? Um, so I did graphic design. So like logos or business cards, anything that was printed. I didn't really dabble in web yet at that point. It was mm -hmm. mostly just print design. That's really cool. And did you have a schooling experience for that or what, what made you interested in freelancing for that specifically? Um, yeah, I've always been pretty artistic, um, and I, I was studying in school at the time for graphic design, so um, I kind of knew I always wanted to own my own business. I didn't know what that would look like, um, but freelance was a good place to start, and it evolved a lot from there. Was it easy for you to get started as a freelancer, or was it kind of, you know, a little weird kind of putting yourself out there and, and getting clients who, you, you know, you don't even know who these people are? What's, it, what's that experience like? Yeah, it was weird. It felt kind of... Um, I felt a little sneaky because <laughs> I was a college student and they didn't know I was a college student, but I wasn't charging anything. So, um, you know, it was, it was tough, I think, to put yourself out there and to be, it's kind of vulnerable to put your artwork, you know, show your work to somebody else and have them, you know, sometimes like it, sometimes not like it and want you to change things about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a little, a little tricky to get used to, but, um, you know, it, that's something you have to learn in that business. And then at some point, did you eventually start getting paid for that work? Yeah. So I slowly started um, charging <laughs> something and eventually charging more. And uh, while I was in college, I started work at a design agency and worked there um, through the end of my college and after college for several years and then kind of gradually phased out of that and into my own freelance work. Cool. Tell me about your own freelance work and kind of the, that transition. Um, it was pretty gradual. It was, um, I they were kind enough at the agency to let me do freelance on the side. A lot of agencies don't let you do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I got to, you know, work with my own clients at the same time that I was getting a full time income from them. Um, so I kind of, um, you know, my story, like you said, in that video, a lot of it was kind of, uh, kickstarted, I guess, whenever my husband left. Um, and so that was whenever I started to really try to find more freelance clients and try to build up that part of my business knowing um, at the time that I was pregnant and that I was going to need to provide an income for you know a child that's coming in nine months, whether I was ready or not. So that's kind of when I started to beef up the freelance mm -hmm. and sort of gradually phase out and take fewer hours per week at my full-time job. You know, I've noticed that with a lot of entrepreneurs, we have a very specific moment in our past that really triggers the sort of entrepreneurial spirit in us and I'll link to the video that I had mentioned earlier in the show notes for everybody and you, you have to watch it and side note, bring a box Kleenex with you. <laughs> um, and, and if you don't mind, Kelsey, can I ask you a little bit more detail about that? Because it sounds like 
And just for everybody, I, I know the story, obviously, but for people listening who are just being introduced to you. So you had gotten married, and at some point when you had discovered that you were pregnant, your husband left. Yeah, it actually, um, amazingly enough, all happened on the same day. <laughs> so um, we were married for about four and a half years at the time, and we're trying to start a family. Um, and I basically just came home from work one day and he said he didn't want to be married anymore and gave no indication that that was coming. I, we weren't like, you know, having a bunch of problems before then or anything. So I was completely blindsided. Um, and kind of after that conversation of him wanting to divorce, uh, like 30 minutes later, I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. So, um, it was a pretty crazy day (laughs) to say the least. Um, but it kind of like, I mean, having a child grow inside of you really lights a fire. And um, I was already doing freelance at the time. And that really just kind of, you know, ignited this passion in me to want to really work for myself once this child was here, mm-hmm. knowing that I was going to be the sole provider for her. Um, so that was that was a huge turning point in my life. So I think a lot of people have also experienced that sort of fire, right, when something happens. Um, and and I, I'm curious how you were able to convert that uh, fire and that, that kind of drive into actionable items because I think that's where a lot of people struggle. They, they really want it, right? Something happened in their past or they just are tired of their jobs or something, but then they don't know what to do. And I think you have a, a, that experience. Like what advice could you offer to somebody who has that fire but just doesn't know what to do next? Like how did you know what to do next? Um, I mean, I, I certainly didn't have, you know, this big plan laid out all of a sudden that I was going to, you know, do this much freelance work and then quit my job at this point and then, you know, do what I'm doing now with online courses and things like that. I think I just took one step at a time and I knew, um, you know, I, I learned a lot. I listened to your podcasts. I read a lot of blogs and, um, a lot of, you know, eBooks and just different resources, anything I could get my hands on to really learn about, um, online business and freelancing and how to find clients and how to market yourself through email and social media and blogging. And, um, it was kind of this whole world of online business that I didn't really know existed before. So, um, it was also, you know, in that time of my life where my personal life was kind of exploding, um, it was a good distraction too, just to Mm. learn about something else and, you know, dive headfirst into this online business world. So, you know, I didn't have to constantly think about other things that were going on in my personal life. So it was a welcome distraction for sure. And at that point, had you already started Paper Notes? Was it called that or was that, was Paper Notes something that came out of that? I had Paper Notes before. It started out as just an Etsy shop. So that's where I, my business, its foundation really has begun and where it still is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Paper Notes was a shop that I started several years prior, just on Etsy, trying to sell different things, um, physical products mainly, and just trying my hand at different handmade things and nothing was really working. It was just kind of a for fun on the side thing. Um, and so once he left, I had a really passion to build that side of my business up a lot more. Cause it was, um, I had just a few months before that I had just started selling, um, these printable planners on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had kind of exploded pretty quickly and it was like kind of opened my mind to this world of passive income and digital products and, you know, something I can make one time and sell it over and over without much extra effort. Um, and so that was a part of my business that I wanted to really grow after he left. 
um, since I had already seen a little bit of success with it. But all of that was housed um, under paper notes. And then that kind of expanded into a website and freelance and um, kind of a conglomerate of other things. Very cool. We'll talk about these printable planners. Like, what does that mean exactly? And also, how are they being delivered through Etsy? Um, so Etsy has their own system where they can deliver a digital product, um, like a PDF or any kind of file. They added that feature to their platform, which is mainly just for handmade physical products. Mm -hmm. Um, but they added this digital component, uh, kind of around the time that I started selling digital products on there for that reason. You know, you list something on Etsy, Etsy works kind of like, I think of it a little bit like Pinterest or, um, you know, it's like its own search engine a little bit. People go there specifically looking for, you know, crafty things or handmade gifts. Um, and so it's a good place to start, I think, for a beginner because there's already this built-in audience there. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you have your own shop on there and you can customize it to a certain extent, have products. And so when people order a planner, um, I have a lot of, my, all of mine are kind of centered around organization and like household management. I have some that are for uh, teachers, some for weddings, um, a lot of stuff for like babies and childcare. Um, so they order that and Etsy automatically sends them the file once their payment is made through Etsy, sends them that automatically. And so there's really not much work to be done on my part except for, you know, marketing and continually coming out with new products. That's awesome. I didn't even realize Etsy did digital delivery of stuff, which is like kind of blowing my mind now because yeah. <laughs> you're right. There's there's millions of people that search for things every day. So th these printable planners, how did people first discover them? Did they kind of take off on their own and, and you just started to notice that more and more people were buying them or did, did you do any marketing to kind of get it, the word out there? Yeah, well, it, I kind of stumbled upon them at first because um, I was looking for a product that I needed. Um, mm -hmm. I was trying to plan meals and pinch pennies and do like, you know, price matching at stores when I was grocery shopping. And so I would write down everything on a piece of paper, just kind of scratch notes for it. Um, and I was wondering if on Etsy, there was some kind of notepad or something where, you know, if someone had already organized some kind of form that you could fill out each time you go to the grocery store to plan out your meals. So I went on there looking for that and it kind of, um, you know, I just typed it into the search bar and all these products came up of these printable planners, which I was like you at the same time. I didn't know that, you know, printable planners or digital products, like I didn't even know Etsy could deliver that. And I didn't know that was a thing. So, um, I'm kind of like a nerd at heart and I love designing like forms and, um, cheat sheets and things like that. And like checklists, I just like to design that kind of thing. So I'm pretty organized by nature. Um, so seeing like this type of product on Etsy where I was already at and it was, you know, in this organization world, which I already personally was interested in and had kind of a passion for. And I just noticed kind of a gap in the market of what was on Etsy at the time. There weren't really any products that were um, designed like minimally or in my aesthetic, which is kind of um, a little more like sophisticated than what was already on Etsy mm -hmm. and a little... Uh, cleaner and simpler and a little more practical. There was a lot of stuff with a lot of clip art all over it. And <laughs> you know, when you think about printing them, they take up a lot of ink because they've got all these pictures on them. Right. So um, I just wanted to design something that I liked and that was really different than what was already out there. And I think there were a lot of customers looking for that as well because they, um, I mean, really within a month 
I had made about a thousand dollars just from continually putting out these planners. I had maybe 10 or 15 that I started with. Um, and they just grew in popularity pretty quickly. That's so awesome. And how much are you charging for, for these kinds of things? Um, most of them range from about seven to maybe $20 or so. Seven to $20. And so, wow. So after you've found that after a month or so, you were making about a, a grand through this, when did it occur to you that this was like going to be your thing full time? Um, probably when my husband left. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I was, they were making that much money for a few months before he left. And I, I kind of always felt like that extra income was for something and I was going to need it for something. And then he left and it was kind of obvious that, you know, this is going to be my other income. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I continued to build it up as I worked full time for that agency. Um, and I was pregnant and single and had a lot of time on my hands. So I was, you know, making in the evenings, making new things to add to my shop and just building it up. Um, and so about when my daughter was about six months old, that income from my Etsy shop was pretty consistently making the same as what my, what my full-time income was at the design agency. So I felt okay to start gradually from there, cutting back on the agency and pursuing more of this online business thing. Was that hard for you to kind of transition? Because I know a lot of people who are doing well with their online stuff, but they're still hanging on to that nine to five job because they feel it's it's more secure. Did you have any of those thoughts? Like, what am I doing? I'm like, this, who knows how long this is going to go for? Or were you like, I'm all in, let's make this work? I, w- I mean, it was nerve wracking for sure. That's why I kind of wanted to do it gradually and um, make it a, a peaceful transition, so uh-huh. to speak. So I could kind of, you know, if it went terribly wrong, I could possibly go back and work at the agency. But I mean, it was scary being a single parent because I'm the only, you know, provider for my daughter and I'm the only income that she has. So I feel like it was even more pressure to make sure that this worked and that it was going to be, um, have longevity to it and be consistent and not just, you know, a fluke or something. So that's why I think it, it took me a while to, um, to decide to kind of start making the switch because I wanted to be sure it was it was being consistent from month to month. Mm-hmm. I remember when my wife and I got pregnant, how much that drove me to do more work and be more efficient and all this stuff. And I'm sure the same thing happened for you, like you said. But then I remember when my son was born in 2009, it, it, it he just took up all my time, you know, and my mm-hmm. wife's time. And so I'm curious to know how you were able to plan for your daughter to come knowing that, you know, she was obviously going to take time and you had this business that you were uh, building and, and growing and scaling time management. How, how were you able to tackle that? And was it easy for you? Um, some days it was easy. Some days not, <laughs> um, as I'm sure most parents would say, working with the kid at home. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I mean, in the beginning, honestly, newborns sleep a lot. So I, um, I was off work for about 12 weeks. So kind of the last half of that, I was antsy to start working again. I'm kind of a workaholic, I think. So I, you know, I worked a lot during that maternity leave. That was some good focus time without having to worry about my full-time job, mm-hmm. um, to put into the business and kind of practicing, I guess, working with, um, a newborn at home. Um, but you just kind of have to learn to get into a rhythm and figure out what schedule works for you. You know, even now, basically her whole life, I've worked mainly whenever she's sleeping. So during her nap time and after she goes to bed, um, I'm kind of a night owl anyway. So I work a lot late at night, whether I have a kid or not. So, Mm -hmm. um, that 
part of her schedule kind of worked for me. Um, but I mean, every season of, you know, her life, she's always, her schedule's always changing and she's evolving. And so, you know, I have to kind of adjust my business and work schedule around that. But, um, it teaches you to be flexible and to just kind of go with the flow some days. And, um, I think that's an important part of just staying, staying positive through it all and not getting too down. If you have a day where you don't get anything done or you don't, um, you get hung up on one thing that takes longer than you think, or you're distracted a lot or your kid's sick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just knowing that, you know, a lot of things can wait. A lot of things maybe don't even have to be done for your business if you're kind of nitpicky about it, but, just going with the flow and kind of taking what comes. So in terms of the work schedule you have now, uh, and it, mine is very much similar to yours, except my kids are now a little bit older, so they're in school. So I use that time to work as well. Before mm-hmm. it was only, only when they slept because to try and work while they were awake is just a fight that I was never going to win. So I might as well <laughs> not even try, try to fight it. Um, but now when you know that you're going to have time to work, do you know what you're going to do as you get into that work time or do you kind of, like, how do you, how do you plan what to do to be as efficient as possible? So I use a program called Asana, which I think a lot of people do. Um, but it's like an online, um, task manager kind of project manager thing It's built a lot for teams of people. Um, but I mean, it works fine with just one person too, but I basically always have that tab open on my computer. And mm-hmm. when I'm planning out, you know, any kind of project I want to do, for uh, my business, I basically plan, you know, make a task out of every single thing that I need to do for that. So if I'm going to create a new um, planner kit to add to my shop, then I'll have a task to, you know, do research and to plan out what the pages are going to be. I'll have a task to actually design it. I'll have a task to um, make it, I make all my kits like fillable in a a PDF previewer. So um, I have to do that part of the whole project. And then I have to list it in the shop and write the description. And then I have to plan out like social media to promote it. And so I basically make a task out of every single thing for the project. And I just drag and drop it all over my calendar so that it's kind of all out of my head and it's scheduled. Everything has a date. And as those dates get closer, if I need to move them around a little bit, I can, but it helps me just get everything out of my head and know that an entire project is covered start to finish on my calendar. And it helps me just wake up every morning, look at Asana, see what I have to do that day, do as much as I can. Some stuff gets pushed to the next day. Some stuff, I push it every single week to the next week and then eventually I just delete it. So it just, it helps you kind of prioritize and helps you um, just know what's coming each day. I love it. I knew you'd have a great answer being as organized <laughs> as you are. So for everybody out there, one more time, that's Asana, A-S-A-N-A. And there's other tools like that. I think there's Nosby, yeah. there's um, Trello. Trello. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you kind of have to, f- you know, find the one that works for you. My team uses Trello for project management. Uh, and there's yeah. a- there's other people that use other other ones too. But anyway, um, you know, the other, the other thing I want to talk about is how many of these uh, printables are you coming out with, let's say, per month at this point? This past year, I haven't come out with any new ones, actually. I just, just this past week, I came out with a new one. Um, but the year before, so like 2014, 2015 is kind of when I really added a lot of what you see in my shop now. Mm-hmm. And then this past year, I've spent a lot of time creating some online courses. So that was kind of when I um, 
I was feeling a little bit burnout with freelance work. Um, and so sort of phased that out of my business, um, while I was creating a couple of online courses that did really well and kind of replaced that freelance income. So, um, kind of an interesting way, I guess, that a lot of the, our businesses evolve mm-hmm. just with the new techo- technologies and new ways that people are learning. One thing kind of replaces an old thing. Right. And it looks like you're teaching on stuff that you just already had known how to do anyway. Like yeah. I, I see a course here, learn to sell digital on Etsy, Etsy on autopilot course now open. And then another one on uh, Adobe InDesign, which is what I'm guessing you use to create these printables. Yeah. So those are my two main courses. Yeah. Just teaching how to use InDesign and then teaching um, how to sell digital products on Etsy. So there's a lot of Etsy courses in general out there. Um, but this one focuses on just selling digital products, um, which is what I do. So nice. And then, so was it, was the Etsy one, your first online course that you created? Uh, the InDesign one was actually the first one that I created and Etsy was the second one. And what was that process like of creating the course? Because that's obviously very different than, you know, coming up with a printable. This is a a full-blown course. (laughs) Uh, Walk us through the process of how you actually created that and then launched it. Yeah, so um, towards, uh, like, the end of me doing freelance work, a lot of the clients I was working with were creating their own digital products. So doing a lot of work on, on other people's online courses and creating um, you know, PDFs and social graphics and websites and sales pages for all of those things Mm -hmm. for other people. So it kind of helped me see the inner workings of, you know, what all goes into creating an online course, everything from the actual course to like the promotion side of it. Um, and so that kind of got me interested in creating my own. And I did again, a lot of reading of blogs and listening to podcasts um, and just learning everything I could about online courses and what all goes into them. Um, I learned a lot from Brian who the video about me was created by Brian Harris. Um, he has a lot of resources on his blog about, um, just kind of case studies about himself of how he launched his course to his list and, um, really practical things of like how, you know, what email he sent at what time to what people and how, you know, blogging about your topic ties into everything and helps you build your list. Um, so I learned a lot of those types of things online and just, um, kind of just dove in and started, you know, kind of learning as I go InDesign was a program that I really, I was in every day and I knew a lot about. Um, and so it was something that a lot of people asked me about as well. So I, that's kind of the direction I chose to take it. And I did some beta testing um, to kind of validate the idea and make sure people were really interested in it and have people go through the course before it was officially launched so I could tweak it and really make it, um, you know, have it be really practical for students who were actually going through it and who really didn't know InDesign. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really, really helpful. And then, you know, launching it, it went really, really great. Um, I, I launched it to um, a list of about... I think around a thousand people, um, and it sold about twenty thousand on the first launch. Twenty thousand dollars worth. Yeah, nice. um, and that was far beyond what I thought it would do. So <laughs> I was a little shocked. <laughs> Congrats! How many? Uh, what was it going for at that time? Um, at the time, it was two ninety nine, so about three hundred dollars. Okay, so if I do the math correctly, which I'm going to cheat, so I'm going to do it on the computer really quick. Um, so you sold like sixty six, seventy copies. Yeah, um, it ended up being about 80. Part of those came from a bundle that I did with somebody else. Oh, so okay. that was 
priced a little bit cheaper, but total was about 80 students. See, that's like when people hear that, they're like, oh, only 80. But you yeah. made 20 grand in, in your <laughs> launch. So I think a lot of people think that you have to build something that, you know, a million people get access to to make, make a good living. And here you are. Um, with a very sm relatively small list and serving just a relatively small handful of people within that list, but still coming out very, very well. And of course, I'm sure now even more people have gone through uh, that course and now your other ones. So I'd, l I'd love to get an overall picture of, you know, how many people have gone through these courses and just overall how the business is going now. Going great. I mean, after after that launch is kind of when I was like, oh, this can replace freelance <laughs> work because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, I was getting a little burnout with clients. So um, since then, I've launched the InDesign course um, two more times, so a total of three times. Um, each one did about that same amount. And then the Etsy course I launched this past summer, um, and I launched it for about a week with like a special pricing for a week. And then I just made it evergreen after that. So people can buy it year round with a little bit of a higher priced. Um, and that one I offered two different options so that people could, um, try out like a more basic version, um, first if they wanted to, and then go on to the full version that was a little more expensive. And after the third launch of my InDesign course, I made that one evergreen as well. So now both my courses are available year round. And that's pretty new just in the last month or so. So it's kind of um, been interesting seeing how that works and just planning a little differently for this next year of how I'm going to promote the courses now that they're available year round and mm -hmm. different things I need to do to keep that like urgency and keep that up so that people stay interested. How are you planning to do that? I, I'd love to learn more because I yeah. think I think the, the nice thing about opening and closing and opening again is like you get the scarcity hey it's good it's going to be you won't be able to get it for a while so get it now and you get special deals on there and stuff um but how are how are you planning to tackle this evergreen first of all why did you switch and secondly how are you going to tackle it um i switched because i was getting a lot of emails at least for the indesign one i was getting a lot of emails in between the launches of people saying that like they had just discovered me and they need to learn InDesign for a job or something. And mm. can they um, go ahead and take the course even though it's not open? So it was um, fielding a lot of those types of questions um, and just honestly kind of wanting to try something different. Um, a year and a half, I guess, of open and closed launches and kind of those peaks and valleys of income. I just wanted to see how it would do um, at Evergreen. And so mm -hmm. I kind of... In any change like that, I feel like if I need to, I can go back to the other way of doing it, which was working, obviously, but um, just wanted to try this one out. So um, for this next year to promote it, um, I'm not totally sure that's going to be a lot of my like planning for the new year, which I haven't done yet. Um, but just ways that I can maybe add bonus content to it for a limited amount of time or um, bundle it with somebody else for a limited, limited amount of time. So adding in kind of little time limits on certain things, even though it's available year round. Um, I think that's kind of a general way right now of how I'm going to go forward from this point. I like it. I love it. Uh, going back to the sort of overall snapshot of your business right now, I'd love to know kind of, if you know, in your head, the sort of percentage breakdown of what is bringing in the income. So you have your, your courses and you have, uh, your printables and you have, I don't know if you're still doing freelancing at this point, but I'd love to know kind of the percentage breakdown and what's, what's work like, give us, give us the pie chart. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, the printables make up probably about a third of my income mm -hmm. pretty consistently. Um, and then I don't do any more freelance uh, right now. Um, so my two online courses are kind of the only other source of income, and that's about the other two-thirds. Very nice. Kelsey, there's so much I want to unpack here, but um, you know, I know that a lot of people have already gotten a ton of inspiration from this. I, I'd love to ask you a couple more questions just based on mindset, because I think what's really incredible about your story is you had this incredibly huge setback. Uh, I, I think for people, they couldn't even imagine what life would have been like when your husband had left the same day that you learned that you were going to be pregnant. I think that would just really put people in a place where they, they know they would need to go back to like a nine, nine to five, for example, yet you went the other way and are still going strong and still growing and still scaling, still trying new things. What advice would you have for people who are going through tough times in their life right now who really need to, um, you know, just some energy to, to push forward in the direction where they know they want to go, but may, may not have the energy to do so at this, at this time? What would you say to them? I think just keep going. <laughs> I mean, it was certainly hard in my case to, get up the next morning and go back to work and keep moving forward. But, um, I mean, I think just taking it one day at a time, one step at a time, um, and not becoming paralyzed by all this, by all the information and, you know, learning about all the different things that go into running a business. Um, it can be really overwhelming. And so I think just taking, you know, one thing at a time that you're going to work on, um, focusing on that, not worrying about, anything else that's coming down the road. Um, but just doing that one thing at a time, whether it's creating your website and just focusing on that. And once that's done, then maybe you can worry about, um, blogging and figuring out a schedule for that and what you're going to write about. And once you feel like you have that down, you can, you know, maybe dive more into one of the social media platforms and work on marketing yourself there. So I think just sometimes we see, um, people like you, Pat, or anybody else that, has, you know, a lot of different pieces of their business that make up the whole. And it can be really overwhelming. How can I, you know, if I'm starting at nothing, how am I going to do all these things all at once? I think it's helpful to just take it one step at a time. You don't have to have it all figured out right now. I'd say most of us are figuring it out as we go. <laughs> so just, you know, don't feel like you need to do it all at once. Thank you so much, Kelsey. You rock, and you're such an inspiration. If you could share with us where we can go and find out more information about you and maybe point us toward your store, that would be awesome. Yeah, at papernotes.com um, is where everything that I do is housed. Um, I also had a special deal for the SPI listeners, if you want, um, yeah. at papernotes.com slash SPI. You can take the first lesson um, of that Etsy on autopilot course for free. If you're interested in that. Sweet. I know people are going to get access to that. So, uh, what, what was that URL one more time? Paper slash S P I. Awesome. Thank you, Kelsey. We appreciate you keep on going cause you're doing amazing things and, uh, we look forward to uh, maybe a follow-up story from you in the future. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Hey, Kelsey, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And it was just such a pleasure to speak to you and, and very, very encouraging and absolutely motivating. And uh, seriously, thank you so much. For those of you who are listening, if you want to get all the links to Kelsey's stuff and everything we talked about, just head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 257. And like she mentioned there at the end, you can actually go and check out 
the first module, I think, or the first lesson of her Etsy on autopilot course. If you are selling anything on Etsy or plan to, uh, even if you're not actually, there's some really good information in there, just head on over to paperandoats.com slash SPI. And there's a little thank you page there and you can sign up really quick to get started on lesson one and see what that's about. Um, but also just thank you so much for your time. I hope, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave your comments over on the blog again. That uh, can be done, and the show notes are at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 257. Guys, I've, I've really been enjoying this podcast, and I will continue to do it in the future for you. I know a lot of you have taken the information that I've shared here, the interviews that we've done uh, with other experts and other people, and, and have actually taken action with it, and I just love you for that. I, I'm so thankful that I have an audience who uh, is actually not just learning, but learning and putting things into place to make change in their lives and the lives of others too. I mean, we're all here to serve other people, I hope. Um, but I know a lot of you also need a little bit more help. Uh, I've been getting messages left and right from people who have been asking for more and, and deeper information about certain things. So what I've done is that I've actually put together a number of courses and there's more courses coming in the future thanks to your recommendations. If you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash courses, you'll see a list of the courses that are currently available there or that you can sign up for the wait list for. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash courses. Check it out. Thanks so much. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in next week's episode where we are actually gonna be talking with another person about productivity. We're kind of taking a break from productivity over the last week or so because we've been talking a lot about it. We had an interview with Cal Newport in episode 255 and then talked to Mike Vardy in 256. And then next week, we're gonna talk with somebody who has some really interesting takes on productivity as well. And uh, that, that'll be the one, the sort of cherry on top in productivity month here on SPI. So thank you so much. I look forward to uh, hearing from you and speaking to you next week. Until then, Keep moving forward, keep getting inspired. And Kelsey, I know you listen to the show. Thank you so much for your time and your story and, uh, and just how awesome you are. Cheers, take care. See y'all later, bye. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.